Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back, everyone. This week, as the Yankees continue to roll up wins with a lineup that continues to be hit by injuries, it's become more and more apparent how fortunate the Yankees are to have the depth in their system to absorb the blows. And that's not really about blue-chip prospects, necessarily. It's about identifying players who have the ability and then working to help them bring out that ability. The two greatest examples of this in 2019 are Gio Urshela and Mike Talkman. You can look at these two as the ones who replaced Miguel Andujar and Giancarlo Stanton lost seasons for two major offensive forces for the Yankees a year ago. They've been replaced adequately, more than adequately, by a journeyman in Urshela and a spare outfielder in Talkman. One of the men who's been a part of both players' success is Phil Plantier, hitting coach at the Yanks AAA affiliate scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders. Plantier played in the major leagues from 1990 to 97, mainly with Boston and San Diego. Now in his second year as the hitting coach at Scranton, I spoke with Phil about some hitting philosophies in general, comparing the offensive era of the 90s when he played to today and the impact of the changes in the baseball to hitting and evaluating that hitting. Phil and I also discussed the successes of Urshela and Talkman, as well as what he's seen from Clint Frazier since he's been sent down. Promoting or not promoting Frazier is not Plantier's decision to make, so I stayed away from asking him about that directly, but if you listen closely to his answers, you will get a good sense of what Frazier is doing at AAA. And stay tuned at the end as I inform Phil of the Major League record he's held for over 20 years and he had no idea he had. Recorded this week via phone from the home clubhouse in Scranton, here's my conversation with Phil Plantier. Phil, I want to start with you just talking about where you see the offense right now as far as the overall game. You know, you played your entire career in what's considered a very high offensive era in the 90s. Right now we're going through something, I think, similar but different. I mean, how would you compare your playing days versus what we're seeing now and what you're really starting to see at AAA as well? Well, I think in general, uh, everything connects uh, first to the strike zone. Uh, strike zone determines how the pitchers use it, and then the hitters are counter punchers. Say late 80s, early 90s, strike zone was more east to west, less north and south, so hitting styles. Pitchers exploited it with more sinker sliders, working off the edges, um, because of the east and west, and then the hitters had to kind of, uh, you know, adapt to that. Um, over the years, especially the last six, uh, it's really every year it just seems like north and south, east and west is pretty true. Um, and so the hit, the pitchers are uh, using all the quadrants. And uh, so hitters are forced to adapt. So now that the, the uh, adaptions are more north to south. So uh, it's still baseball. You know, it's always changing. You know, one of the things you always tell hitters, you got to be able to adapt fast to what's going on. So it never ends. I, I, I want to say probably about four or five years ago was the first time I heard hitters like outwardly say, hit the ball in the air, hit the ball in the air. 
Uh, how has it been like just over that period of time, or has it been a little bit longer in your mind that that people are more conscious of, you know, the outs they make on the ground versus the damage they can do in the air? Uh, honestly, coming up with the Red Sox as a young kid, uh, it was just kind of a given. You wanted to hit the ball in the air. You wanted to pull the ball in the air and control your trajectory the other way. It was uh, um, obviously the, a different baseball, so you didn't get rewarded as easily hitting the ball um, with a high trajectory the other way because that was only a, for, for a select handful of players in the game that could even do that. So most of it was full side elevation, control your trajectory the other way, unless you're a Wade Boggs banging it off the wall and hmm. um, So I, I think those concepts have kind of always – I've always known them to be a part of the game. Um, hitting a line drive has always been good, you know, hitting balls uh, – Ruin the gaps has always been a staple, fundamental approach. Um, you know, as long as I've been in the game and they're, they're still important. Um, I, I just think uh, maybe people are more aware. Mm. And, uh, or they're, they're more aware of the different ways in which you can execute these things just because, um, because of the uh, amount of information that's out there for people. Uh, one of the things that people are talking about this year is the ball. I mean, I've heard all the pitchers that come up from AAA tell me about the difference in the ball. Um, and hitters, obviously, the big league level are, you know, are responding to it. What are you seeing differences in the things we're talking about here, the approach and the strike zone and everything else? Add that to what the, the major league ball is doing at AAA. What effect do you see the ball having? Um, I think con- uh, contact's rewarded again. Hitting the balls rewarded again because uh, doing damage to all fields in the air isn't reserved to just a few people anymore. Um, more people have access to it. So I think you got guys, if you, you know, just in general, if a guy's got fringe pop before, um, the fringe pop, the fringe gap pop's going to play a little bit. Um, you know, the ball's going to come off the bat a little bit better. So. Um, I think it gives more players opportunities to to hit more doubles. Mm. Um, but at the same time, everybody's on the field, the pitchers, the hitters, the players, everybody's playing under the same conditions. Um, and the game's always changing. So however it is today, you play the game today according to what's needed and, you know, adjustments are part of the game and um, they always have been. And, uh, I just, I, I, it just provides opportunity, I think, for more players to, to be, be effective. At the same time, on the pitcher side of it, as the ball changes, it moves a little differently, too. So, uh, you know, the pitchers who adapt to the baseball properly, maybe they use it to their advantage. It kind of works both sides, you know. Pitchers yeah. and the hitters adapting. Does, is, it, is it hard to figure out what's real? Or what's not when you're trying to evaluate hitters based off of this right now? Or is it all real because this is, I mean, this is what you're dealing with? No, I don't think it's hard to, it's hard to evaluate. Uh, no, I don't. So what do you consider real? I mean, or is it just everything that comes off the bat because this is the ball that's being used right now, that's that's what you have to go on? You know, the Yankees are really good at giving us uh, giving us some perspective on how to look at things on how do we evaluate how things are going and 
uh, things to work on. Uh, so it's not just a personal opinion. You know, it's a it's an organizational philosophy. It's a, you know, it's a process. It's a perspective. That's uh, it's not necessarily one person's opinion. It's you know it's how we how we go about our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you about Gio Urshela. You know, he credited the work you guys did last season, late last season, with kind of what he's going through right now. And he talked about you know really just getting more uh, more work out of his legs and the confidence you gave him that that he can make it work at the big league level. What what did you see when you started working with Gio last year? And and did you did you think it could add up to what we're seeing at the big league level right now? Yeah, I mean, Gio, Gio's a good baseball player. And, you know, players mature at different times. Some players uh, mature defensively first and then the bat follows. Um, a lot of other players, they mature first with the bat and then their defense and their base running follows. They very rarely, like, learn everything all at once. Um, so hopefully the things that they're good at and buy them time to improve the things that that are a work in progress. But Gio, Gio is just a good baseball player, and the game rewards in our system specifically. But the game rewards players who can learn uh, and uh, learn how to take information and use it and personalize it to, to what they do. And um, so, Gio. Gio has aptitude, and so he's prospering in New York. He's he's uh, he's doing that because he has talent and he's a good baseball player. Um, I honestly didn't do anything but my job, uh, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary, and all the credit goes to Gio and the hard work that he puts in what he does and his willingness to constantly get better. I mean, let's face it, the players that play a long time are the ones that are always making subtle adjustments uh, to get better at things. And uh, he has proven to want to do that, and his success in New York is, uh, you know, evidence of that. Phil, he, he mentioned specifically the confidence that you helped bring out in him. How much of that is is rooted in your job, like trying to be the, the cheerleader and the psychologist and trying to get the player to believe? Yeah, it's most of it. Um, it's a big, it's a big portion of it. Uh, you know, spending the last two years in spring training with Marcus and PJ, and getting a feel for how they do things for a couple of months, um, they set a really strong set of expectations for the players um, about how they prepare, the mindsets that they have. Um, and having a real sense of purpose with everything they do uh, throughout the course of their the different phases of the day. And that kind of serves as my model here because I need to make sure guys try to transition as, as seamlessly as possible to the big leagues. And so, um, you know, my goal here is to simply prepare guys in a way that when they walk into New York that they can – continue on feeling comfortable in who they are, comfortable in their own skin, believing in what they do, and and being on the same page with the major league staff because we're matching uh, what they want there. 
along those lines. So that confidence, that confidence that the players develop here, hopefully, can transition there that much easier because of that. Along those lines, what did you see with Mike Talkman? He's a player that the organization didn't have a lot of history with, obviously. Uh, you got to work with him a little bit, and he's flourished here in a big way. Uh, what did you see with Talkman? You know, once again, players mature at different times. Already an elite defender, a base runner, and was very uh, cerebral in how he goes about his business. And he prospers in this environment. He, he knows what to do with the information that's given to him. And uh, he's very organized with his, you know, sense of purpose every day. And when he was here, he was extremely consistent with how he prepared. Um, to me, it was very obvious he's a contributor at the major league level. And sometimes these guys... Like I said, when they mature in different parts of their games at different times, sometimes it's just opportunity. Opportunity and obviously the positive environment that we have in the big leagues allowed him to just take off and the confidence grows and it's great to see guys just keep growing as players um, while they're in the heat of the battle up there. You know, Phil, you touched on something. You know, you Listen, you played eight seasons in the big leagues and like what I've seen is the idea that the, that the players who become really good or even great know how to take the consistent approach every day. Uh, is that really the biggest thing that you have, the biggest battle you have is because these guys are all obviously very talented, but trying to get them to you know, physically and mentally bring the same effort and energy every day can be hard. It's a long year and it's, and it's challenging in very different ways. Is that you know, it seems to be that's the common factor you're talking about when you're trying when you're telling me about guys who have talent that are finally untapping that. Right. So, like, I'm in player development, and definitely helping guys be organized, stay organized, be consistent with their work, how to adjust their work, tweak their work to prepare them for that game or that series or where they're at. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a level of consistency with it, and also how to make little subtle tweaks in the work um, to help them with their approaches at seven o'clock. Um, but yeah, the consistency factor is huge. I think the single most difficult thing to do for young players is to show up with fresh batteries every day um, because it's every day. It's a grind. And some days your body's going to be firing better than others. Some days you're going to be better than others. And, you know, that, that mentality of, you know, whatever I got today, I'm going to squeeze out of it. You know, if I got a knock and a walk today and that's all I got, you know what, I'm going to scratch out that knock and a walk. Um, if I got to do, you know, so it's like whatever you've got that day, just squeeze it out. And that's all mental. You know, that's the willingness to go through a grind and just – Stack good at bats. Stack good phases of your day every day. Be consistent with it. Stack good at bats. Um, and the beautiful part about these guys when they're going up, too, is they know they don't have to go there and carry a load. They just need to be a piece of the puzzle and contribute. And because it's a, it's a true team offense. Uh, and so we try to, uh, we try to do the same things here. And, and keep guys in that same mindset so that way they stay within themselves. Uh, a guy who's seen the ups and downs this year is Clint Frazier. Uh, 
And when he first got sent back down, he went through a really rough stretch. I know he started to hit a little bit, uh, but it hasn't been consistent. What are you seeing from him, and how much did just you know the, the mental side of, of being sent down and having a hard time dealing with that affect him when he first got back to you? Actually, I've been really pleased to watch how he's worked since he's been sent down. Um, he's uh, it was it the major league staff made it very clear about the things that he needed to work on when he came here, and our entire staff has made sure that um, you know the, that he has the opportunity to do the work um, that's been prescribed by the major league staff, and Clint has adopted it. He's embraced the work. He shows up every day ready to go, and he works on uh, all phases of his game every day. Um, and he's bought into the idea um, that he's here trying to get better every day. So if the opportunity shows up again, um, he's going to be more prepared next time. And it kind of goes into what I was saying earlier. You know, sometimes guys develop certain parts of their games at different times. He was an offensive first, offense first guy. Um, and so – you know, other phases, parts of the game, and then it developed. He has the skill to do it. He has the, the tools to do it. And um, so he's in the process right now of just creating more well-rounded games, putting in the work. Uh, mentally, he's in a good place. He's, he's, uh, he's working his tail off. And so um, that means that at the end of the day, then he'll be more prepared the next time the opportunity shows up. Phil, I, I guess some of the rewards of what you do are seeing guys like Urshela and Talkman, who you've worked with, go up and have success at the big league level. The other side of that is having to work with and, and pick up a guy like Clint Frazier, who got sent back down to you, despite some of the success that he had. You know How, how difficult is that part of your job in trying to, to build a guy like that back up? Yeah, it's part of the game. Um, it's a part of the job. Every player, like not one player is immune um, to basic human emotions. I mean, let's face it, they're human beings. Um, and every player is going to handle adversity a little bit different at different times. Um, and part of our job is to help employers have strategies to take care of those things. So, um, like I said, I've been extremely happy with how he's, he's, uh, him, he's, him specifically has gotten his mind in, uh, embraced around the work he needs to do um, and the hard work that he's putting in. I see it every day um, in all phases of his game. And, uh, you know, not just him. We're hoping anybody that gets an opportunity to go up there is as prepared as possible, you know, to help out. You know, I know hitting is different for every player, but what are some of the general themes that you guys try to hit on as an organization? You know, um, I know that the control control the strike zone is Aaron Boone's big thing. Um, but what else is it that, you know, top to bottom here that uh, seems to be consistent in what you guys are trying to teach? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the big themes um, as an organization. Um, there's a lot of big central themes that we – focus on um and i think marcus and pj do a really good job at taking it and individualizing everything because these are individuals and the further along a player is in their career so we take on um 
you know, the same the same approach here and, and really try to personalize things as much as possible. You still have your general themes that, as an organization, you believe in, and they're going to be pushed. But as as you run that through a clubhouse, you're going to have a lot of different ways in which you achieve similar goals, and uh, because they are individuals. And so, I think the key is just making sure that the, the, each specific player is getting what they need at that time. Phil, do you guys teach a, a right field, right center field approach because of what the ball does here at Yankee Stadium, or is it simply a matter of take your A swing, which I hear so often from these guys? What's what are is there any of that part of what you're trying to instill? Yeah, we're trying to model all the same the same the same mindsets, the same approach. I mean, I'm not going to talk about details because that's internal stuff. But like I said, we try to emulate the same messaging here in, in, in player development, um, especially as they get hired up the ladder as uh, what they're doing in the big leagues. So tell me a couple of guys on your roster right now that uh, that you think have, you know, have shown you what they can be the next wave. You know, we talk about next man up here all the time uh, because of what's happened with the injury situation with the Yankees. Uh, and you've obviously seen guys – because of that, you've had to see some guys elevated from double A up to you. And uh, so you've seen a good bit of the organization here these last couple of years. Tell me some of the guys that are, that you think are going to be, uh, you know, part of this maybe next wave, maybe not this year, maybe they are this year. Uh, who else are some of the guys that we should be watching for? Josh, that's a good question. I honestly, uh, some players are further along in their development than others. Some guys are closer than others. Um, some guys have more upside than others, but I try to keep in mind that um, at any point, a lot of these guys could be called upon if something were to happen in the major leagues, especially with um, you know the injuries we've had. Um, so every I, I, I try to make sure we don't waste days. If there's a message, you know I'm not going to wait a couple of days. We're going to attack it now. We're going to be more proactive. Um, because there's been times when it's like, well, let's just continue to be proactive. Let's continue to, to stay on top of it because he might get called up in a couple of hours or he might get called up in a couple of days. And we got to make sure this is at least addressed or cleaned up or, um, you know, the players made aware of it because you just never know when a guy's going to go up. So I think just staying proactive, staying on top of, of every detail as much as possible. Keeping guys moving in the right direction, keeping them prepared, keeping them organized is important because you just, out of any of the players that are here, that are here as we've seen this year, we don't know who's going to be needed. So it's uh, it's across the board. Um, try to get everybody prepared. Yeah, is that a weird type of energy to have down there? Because obviously nobody roots for injuries, but a lot of times that's the only way or the first way that your players get to the big leagues, you know? And, I mean, is that is that a weird type of thing to have to watch for and not well, root for, but you know what I mean? You know, there's, there's parts of the season where players are more open to learning than others. Um, but if we take the, the approach that we're here to get better at something every day and the players buy into we're here to get better at something every day, it sounds generic, 
but it's a mindset. It, it's an approach to your day that everything has a sense of purpose that uh, they're more likely to be prepared. And so if they take the, the idea that they're always trying to get better at something, and getting better just might mean getting more consistent at something. And uh, learn how to do it, or it could mean learning how to do something more consistently with less reps so they save their bodies, uh, especially this time of year. It's individualized, but the approach of getting better every day goes a long way. Uh, Phil, last thing, I want to talk to you about a record that I think you've held for a while and I think you're going to hold for at least a little while. Uh, most home runs by any player ever born in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, you had 91 career home runs. The next highest is Red Rolf, uh, you know, Yankee third baseman from the 30s on some great teams. He had 69 home runs. There are no active hitters that were born in the state of New Hampshire. You know, you're um, there are a couple of pitchers, but... You know, that's, um, that's something that uh, you're going to hold on to for at least a little while, I think. <laughs> I, I guess there's not a lot of baseball played there. I, I grew up in, fortunately, I grew up in San Diego. Yeah. Um, so I got to play a little bit of baseball when I was growing up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, that's a funny stat. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that, really? Nah, I didn't know that. Ah, you know, it's 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 uh, it's in your bio, and then I went and looked up a little more. You know, Austin Romine's dad is on that list. Um, he's further down the list, uh, but yeah, I played with Bro's dad. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, in Boston. Yeah. Came up with the Red Sox. That's right. Yeah. So you guys are you guys are both on that list, but I I thought it was pretty cool because you know there's you know there's only fifty of those, and uh, and and you're yeah, one of yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, listen, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Hey, you got it. You got it. Take care. My thanks to Yankees AAA hitting coach Phil Plantier. He gives credit, as most good coaches do, to the players for following through with their work and realizing their potential. The work he's put in specifically with Gio Rochella and Mike Talkman have helped put the Yankees where they are now. If you're a little behind on this podcast and still have some beach or car time left this summer, please do check out the 30 with Murdy archive at radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and review. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.